That may ready or not, here we go. My third installment in how important is prayer? It's a, it's a real basic message um, designed to share some thoughts about prayer to just stimulate and provoke some inspiration in your own prayer life, maybe open up some fresh thinking to you about prayer, and help to guide our church into transforming into a house of prayer. So our verse that we're using as our, as our focus verse is taken out of Mark chapter 11, verse 17. And speaking of Jesus, it says, He was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people or for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, God's house isn't the building that we meet in. We all know that. God's house is the people that he lives in. So wherever we gather, he is there. And when we begin to pray, God wants to be able to fill that house through our prayers with his presence. So that's really the unbroken uh, communion that we were designed for. We were made in the image and likeness of God and literally designed to have unbroken broken, unhindered communion with God. When God made man and placed him on the earth, the Holy Spirit was in man, was in Adam and Eve. And they, of course, the Holy Spirit left and um, it, uh, it brought on the curse. That they lost the presence of God and man has been alone for 6,000 years trying to make his way in this broken battlefield called the world. But we're not alone because God never lost control of the situation from the very beginning, had every intention of allowing those things to play out and to happen. It's important that, that the things of God are not just uh, imposed upon us by an inheritance, but that we choose them. That, that knowing what it's like to be without him and getting in touch with that natural inbred hunger, that yearning on the inside of it. That's how unsaved people, even people who were like me before I became a Christian, is, is dark and as much an atheist and completely void of any knowledge of God as, a, as any person in the world could be. Yet, the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of hearts and reaching people. And uh, so when we come out of that hunger, and we taste, as, as the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, you can argue with people all day long. And uh, you can intellectually strong arm people if you want to. Take away their arguments and convince them that, that God is real. But as the old saying goes, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And that is, that is absolutely true. People don't get saved because... You force them into it. It has to come from their heart. You, you can't open a rose with a pair of pliers. And they have to be opened from the inside. Only God can open it. And that's how we open up. And that's what prayer is. It's unbroken communion with him. But we are the people of God individually. For example, Mark is, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit lives in Mark. And Giselle is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives with her. David, each of you individually, when Jesus Christ came into your life and you received him as Lord, he imparted into your spirit, his spirit. 
became one with you. Your nature was changed. It, it, it ticked off. It, uh, it um, uh, uh, caused a transformation of your nature in your spirit. But the rest of you is still intact. Your memory, your thoughts, your flesh, all the desires. And we're living in this world surrounded by temptation, and so there's our, our walk through daily life. So Jesus is Lord. Uh, you're, you're, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But secondly, collectively, we are the house of God. Corporately, we are the house of God. So we're his children individually, and we're his children corporately as the body of Christ. And so just as prayer is how we live with God, prayer is how the church lives with God. And that's why Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, cleansed the temple and said, you have made it a den of thieves, but my house, the place where my people gather, the gathering of my people, um, is to be a house of prayer. That should be the defining activity when my people come together. Way back in Genesis chapter 48, verse 10, one of the early prophecies about Messiah when he came was um, this tremendous statement uh, that when God comes, when the Messiah comes, the gathering of the people will be to him. That's what Jesus came for, is to send the Holy Spirit back into our lives. What did John the Baptist say? When he comes, who was preferred before me, the Messiah, what will his mission be? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will bring you into the kingdom of God. What was Jesus' message? Jesus' message was, even though I'm going, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you. Because the Holy Spirit and Jesus are the same. They're one. And so the kingdom of God is, is brought back into our lives through the impartation of the Holy Spirit. It ignites communion. It creates the conduit, the fellowship. That is the exact thing that God expects of us collectively and corporately. It's not as difficult when you're by yourself and you want to have a connection prayer with the Lord. But when you get together with other people, you have to coordinate. And everybody's got different personalities and, and uh, manners and characteristics and idiosyncrasies. And it's a little more challenging. So it, it really takes a little bit of effort and work for a church to become a house of prayer. Um, so that's what these messages are about, is to inspire thinking in that area. You know, <clears throat> COVID-19 didn't just disrupt the flow of churches and the gathering of people together in their churches. I really believe that a higher purpose um, could be found in the disruption when we think of it as an opportunity to reset how we do church. You know, church traditionally has devolved from being a house of prayer into a um, into a worship and teaching center, a religious worship and teaching center. And you can do that without the presence of God. You can do that without praying. You can have a religious teaching center where people get little life talks, you know, and uh, little Bible studies, and they can sing. And, uh, and, and you can do that without the presence of God. But you can't pray without the presence of God. And, and you can't have the kingdom of God 
which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know what else the kingdom of God is? It's God's absolute dominion and authority over all the works of the devil. Jesus told the Pharisees, if I by the finger of God cast out devils, and I know we're in the 21st century a little too sophisticated for devils, um, but let me tell you that uh, the years haven't changed anything. The root of human dilemmas and problems is always demonic, is always satanic. And one way or the other, directly or indirectly, whatever the level is, Satan's involved. And uh, Jesus told the Pharisees, if I with the finger of God cast out devils, then the kingdom of God has come to you. So Jesus also endorsed the idea that the kingdom of God is the manifestation of his authority and his power. First John 3, 8 says, the son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. So we have an opportunity to reset how we do church. Sadly, uh, without an intentional plan to restore churches or congregations back to Jesus' mandate to be a house of prayer, sadly, the majority of churches are simply going to go back to business as usual. And really, people are eager. They want to get back to what they're used to. And I'm convinced that most Christians really don't know how good they could have it. Most believers, you know, have not really tasted how good it could be, how powerful the presence of God, what our gatherings could look like, what could be happening. You have only but to maybe open the first few pages in the book of Acts, you get a little bit of an idea of what church was like when it really was a house of prayer for all people. So, okay. Um, I am taking the opportunity in these weeks just to share some random thoughts about prayer to hopefully inspire uh, your praying um, to, to break up obstacles uh, to praying and to just seed your, your uh, thoughts with some inspiration. I've shared uh, eight of these ideas. I'm not going to review them today because I just want to take the next few minutes to bring you three fresh ideas. Now, the, the, the thoughts about prayer that I want to talk to you about this morning are all um, around the subject of the kingdom of God. That's why I've been talking a little bit about the kingdom. So what I want to bring to you today is thought number 9, 10, and 11 about the relationship of prayer to the kingdom of God. We spent almost all last year preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God, so it's kind of a fresh, fresh thought in your mind. But um, the scripture that I want to take these from is Matthew's small, little, but most powerful parable about the kingdom of God. He said, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man, when he found it, quickly covered it up and then for joy ran away and sold everything that he had, came and bought that field, period. That was Jesus' statement, his teaching about what the kingdom of God is. So you have a man finding a great treasure, which is obviously Jesus Christ, the Lord of life, Good shepherd, all those wonderful, the healer, deliver, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll find out what the treasure is. And, but it was in a field. 
And for whatever reason, the man had to buy the field to get the treasure. So he goes away and he sells. Everyone says sell. So he sells all that he has and he comes and buys. Everyone say buys. So he sells and buys. There's a transaction. Are you listening to me? There's a transaction that takes place in the heart of Jesus teaching on the kingdom. And um, so there are some points, some facts about the kingdom if we're going to understand the relationship of prayer to the kingdom that we want to lay out. Uh, the first thing I want to tell you is that the selling and the buying aren't talking about money and real estate. What they're talking about is relocating your devotion from the world to the kingdom of God. It's relocating the center of your devotion, the center of your love, the thing in your life that you're devoted to. Now, everybody here has things they love, things that they're devoted to. Some of them are people. Some of them are um, hobbies, practices, uh, work. could be a number of things. Um, but the reality is that Jesus, when he, when he came and confronted us about the kingdom of God, he said, you're going to need to relocate the center of your devotion. And uh, that's what that was meant to indicate is that the selling and the buying has to do with where your devotion lies. And here are some of the facts about the kingdom that are, that are inherent in that, in that idea. Number one, the first fact is that to get Jesus, you have to buy the field. Get the treasure, you have to buy the field. What was Jesus saying? To have me, you must buy the kingdom. You can't have the king without the kingdom. You can't take me out of my kingdom, plug me into the kingdom of the world, and expect the world to become good for you, to expect it to be righteousness, peace, and joy, to expect to, expect to see um, authority exercised over the, the powers of the enemy. Now, Jesus walked through this world. He cast out devils, raised the dead, healed the sick, but he was not operating in this world. His devotion... He would go off at night and he'd spend the night in prayer and communion with his father. And when the, when the uh, Pharisees would ask him, well, but, you know, where's your authority coming from? Jesus said, I don't speak anything but what I hear the father say. And I don't do anything but what I see the father do. Where did all that come from? Prayer. That was prayer. So to get Jesus, you must buy the field. You cannot take him and out of the kingdom. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about what that means in a few minutes. The second fact about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God isn't a timeshare. <laughs> in other words, you don't keep your main house out in the world somewhere and then uh, schedule occasional visits to the kingdom of God. There's no timeshare. And the third thing about the kingdom that's a fact that, that you, you need to embrace it is that the price of the kingdom, because he sold didn't he, and he bought the price of the kingdom is exclusivity. Jesus don't date. You have to move in with him. That's what that means. Jesus don't date. And so you can't date Jesus. You marry him. That's why we're referred to as the bride of Christ. So the, the price of the kingdom is you sell your house, your everything, and you bring your everything and you buy the kingdom. Now, just so that we don't get the wrong idea and think that that we have to go for our wallets or do good deeds or do good works to earn the kingdom of God or to earn salvation. 
we have to, again, reinforce and understand we're talking about relocating our devotion, our love. Didn't Jesus say, set your affection on things above. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek, set, uh, desire. All those things have to do with our affection. What is most important in your life and my life? Now, don't, don't think that you're fooling anybody and don't fool yourself by saying, well, I belong to a church. Um, I own a couple of these. Read them sometimes. And, and, uh, uh, these. So obviously, I have purchased the kingdom. Obviously, God is the most important thing in my life. But, but the fact is, you and I both know that marriages don't succeed with that kind of thinking. You know, hey, look, you know, I'm in love. I'm here, aren't I? You see, uh, divorce lawyers would be out of a job if all you had to do was to just simply say, well, I still got the ring. I'm still, you know, I said I do. 18 years ago, if anything changes, I'll let you know. And, and we, know, we know that doesn't work, right? What does that spouse say? Yeah, but you don't talk to me. You don't fellowship with me. We don't have, we're losing our common ground. You understand? It's relationship. So we can't say that we have the kingdom of God because we belong to a church or we, we believe in him. Too many Christians compartmentalize their relationship with God. They have a compartment for fun, a compartment for seriousness, a compartment for work, and they have a compartment for faith. They call it religion. And in that compartment, Jesus rules. He doesn't share. He's not in there with Buddha. He's not in there with uh, any worldly philosophies. He rules that space, but you've put him in a closet. He just rules a closet called your religion, your prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not your life. The Bible says the man sold all that he had. Are you listening? So this is all about prayer. I know you're thinking, well, he hasn't said a lot about prayer yet. Oh, you'd be surprised. I've been, I've been talking about prayer the whole time. I've been talking about why prayer works and why it doesn't work. I've been talking about why people don't really connect when they pray. Because prayer is communion with the king of glory. So it's obvious Jesus isn't talking about your relationship with real estate. He, and, and by the way, you know, that may seem funny to you. Uh, the, Jesus was talking about uh, real estate when he talked about selling and buying the field. But the fact of the matter is, is millions and millions of Christians believe in there's holy places. When I'm in the, I belong to, and they're very serious about what church they belong to. Because if I, I belong to the wrong church, me and God aren't getting along in that church. Over here, God and I get along. He meets me here. So Christians are very much physical, real estate oriented. They really do believe. They all like to say, especially evangelical Christians like you and I, we all like to talk about God is relational. It's not about buildings. It's about the heart. But the reality is, is we live and act like it really is all about buildings. I came here. What more is expected. Do you know what I'm saying? So, but he's not talking about real estate, buildings, holy places. He's talking about, when he says sell and buy the kingdom, he's talking about direct communion with the king of heaven and earth. And prayer is the buy-in. Prayer's how that works. This is how prayer connects. You sell your devotion to the world. You buy your devotion to Jesus through prayer.
Prayer's the exchange agent. Prayer is the selling and the buying. That's why Christians who have no prayer life have beliefs, but they, there's no faith operating in their life. In order for faith to really operate in our life, there's got to be communion with God, right? Okay, so that was number nine. Number nine is prayer is how we access the kingdom of God. Thought number 10 goes right along with it. Is prayer, how, prayer is how we access the authority of the kingdom of God. By the way, it's called a kingdom because Jesus is a king. And um, I, I really don't know a better verse other than the, that uh, well-known verse in Isaiah 9 uh, that describes this when the prophet Isaiah looks ahead in time about 700 years. He sees the Messiah coming and the Holy Spirit puts this prophetic proclamation in the, in the mouth of the prophet Isaiah. And he writes, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son has been given, and the government, everyone say government. government. Been a lot of attention paid to government lately, hasn't there? But the government shall be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And the zeal of the Lord will perform this. So Jesus didn't bring a religion to the world. Jesus brought a government. He preached a government. He brought a government. He laid his life down to install a government. Somebody say praise the Lord if you're getting what I'm talking about. Jesus didn't bring a religion to the world. He brought a government. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And God will zealously perform the expansion of that government by his zeal, the zeal of the Lord. So God is zealously eager. We're going to connect with prayer now. God is zealously eager to increase the influence of his government on earth for those who pray. Prayer is how you access the authority of the kingdom. What did Jesus say when his disciples said, teach us how to pray? And Jesus said, okay. He didn't say, pray this, as though this were, you have to just speak these exact, this formula, these words. He, he gave them a structure. And he said, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, sacred and to be honored is your name. And the very first petition, the first thing he gives us as a, as a focus to ask God for, an exchange, if you will, between heaven and earth, the first thing is kingdom, government. That's the first thing he wants us to pray for. And not the government of men. May your kingdom, may your government come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, the will of God is not done on earth wherever his government is not in place. The will of God follows the installation of his government. Where Jesus is Lord, the will of God naturally grows and begins to manifest. That's why we're constantly asked Pray daily. Make the first point of your prayer, the focus. Lord, may your kingdom come. May your government come here in earth 
Well, where, where exactly in Earth? Earth's a pretty big place. Well, let's begin with my little piece of real estate. Let's begin with my sphere of influence, my responsibilities. When I'm on my face praying, and I pray, Father, I just exalt that holy, that, that um, uh, majestic, uh, sacred name of Jesus. And now, Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. And when I'm saying that, I'm thinking because I've studied, and, and all of you should too. I know what the kingdom is. I know it's the righteousness, the peace, the joy. I know because when I see what Jesus did, he was applying his government. When he cast devils out, government of God. When he healed the blind, government of God. He was imposing the will of God destroying the will of the enemy. He was uprooting, plucking up the work of the enemy and installing the blessings of the kingdom of God. They brought the, uh, they brought the woman taken in adultery, threw him at his feet, said, Moses said, the law said, stone this woman, what do you say? And of course, his beautiful, brilliant words as agape spoke through Jesus. Well, if you're good enough, go ahead, throw stones at her. You have no sin, go ahead. Of course, from the oldest to the youngest, they walked away. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so Jesus is installing the kingdom. That is the authority that we want to access when we pray. So Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What earth? My marriage, my home, my family, the areas where I have stewardship, the areas where I have influence. God has installed you in a neighborhood, in a community, on your job. Those are places that are your field of ministry. That's the earth you're called to. Lord, may your kingdom come there where I have influence. You know, one of the things about intercessory prayer is that when we are engaged in intercessory prayer, we're praying for people in Michigan and Indonesia and people you're never going to meet. Uh, as the Lord puts those things upon your heart, or maybe someone calls in a request. But I find the most powerful and most effective prayers when we pray for the things that are right in front of our face, the things where we have a connection. God works through relationships. He works through accountability. When we seize our accountability, I'm accountable for my marriage. And shame on me if I allow distance to grow between my wife and I because she's getting a little tedious or I may be getting a little tedious. And, you know, things, you know, things go, you let things go for a couple days, a couple days turns into a week, and after a while there's some real distance drifting, and you take offense. Well, that is your life. That's your life you're ignoring. Are you listening to me? That's your life you're ignoring. And you're not praying. You're not taking accountability. See, that's your earth. Kingdom come, will be done in earth. As it is, how is it in heaven, by the way? Because however it is in heaven, that's the process of the earth. Jesus burst through the gates. They lifted up their heads, opened the doors. When he rose from the dead and the great shout ran across heaven, now has come salvation. Now has come the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And the accuser shall be cast down and his voice will never be heard again in heaven. You want to read that in Revelation. That was a, that was a telling moment because that's how the kingdom came. In heaven, it came with the arrival of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, now when you pray, pray 
that that happens in your home like it happened the day that I passed through those gates. And the announcement was, now the accuser will be cast out. You know why the devil resists prayer? And I know he does because there's so little praying going on. The reason why Satan resists prayer, and he does it by keeping people ignorant. They're overwhelmed. They think, well, I don't know how to pray. That's why I'm talking about this stuff, by the way. So the, the thing is that um, that home, that family, that marriage, those are my stewardship. And I have access to the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. I can cast the devil out. How do I do it? Not by me wrestling with the devil. Not by Nick, I'm going to get him and you know, choke him out uh, with, with some sort of cleverness or some goodness. No, by welcoming Jesus. It was Jesus entering heaven that caused the shout, now is come the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not going to come in your marriage drifting this way, going sideways, just because you've decided to take certain actions. You need to bring Jesus into that marriage. How do you access that power? How do you do that in prayer and intercession? That's where you start. And then when you're waiting on God listening, he may tell you to do something. And then you want to, of course, do that. So, um, that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So obviously, kingdom prayer is what I call relocated prayer. You're not praying from beneath. You're praying from above. Kingdom prayer is a prayer that people who have sold and bought, people who have shifted, people who have moved, their devotion has gone from the world to Jesus, to his kingdom. Their, their lives are wrapped around the waist of the king holding on for dear life. I'm not going to let you go. That's their devotion. It's where they live. They've relocated into the kingdom of God. Are they still interested in the things of the world? Yes, but, but the kingdom's first. And the kingdom is a premium, and it's number one. And that, by the way, is how you overcome the negative influences of the world is by loving, loving Jesus, loving him, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill your life. So... Kingdom prayer begins from above because it's relocated prayer. This, by the way, I can't take the time to go in and break all this out for you. I'm sure you're probably catching it because I see little pens going. Um, but um, the reason why that's kingdom praying is because it's praying from your relationship with Jesus. That's when you have authority. That's when you're operating with power and authority. And God begins to move in your life. Um, Colossians chapter 3 says, If you have been raised with Christ, then keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated, the kingdom of God, at the right hand of God, the kingdom of God. So we're told to keep seeking. Keep seeking the things of God that are, that are above. That's kingdom prayers, relocated prayer. Kingdom prayer always begins from above. One of the reasons we're frustrated in prayer is because we usually run to God with a list. And we're immediately, before we even get started, we're worried about our worthiness. Well, I don't know if I've really, you know, I don't know if, what kind of position I'm in, but I'm going to just kind of put this before the Lord, you know, hope that he's in a good mood. Um, and 
half the time we're thinking, that's oh, probably not God's will. And it's like the guy who bought the magic beans and uh, buried them out in the backyard. The next morning he woke up and he went out there and looked and he said, that's as I expected. Nothing. So the, the point is that God's answer, God's answer to us is from the kingdom. You know, let me, let me uh, address something that's current in our contemporary world, world right now. Some people think that God didn't answer the prayers for our government recently. And others think that the election absolutely was his answer. But both are wrong. And I'll tell you why both are wrong. Both are wrong because God's answer isn't about the government that sits in the capital. It was about, it's about the government that sits in men's hearts. That's the government that has the real authority. That's the one God is concerned with. No earthly government has ever changed the roles in heaven or in hell. Not one person's eternal destination has been rerouted or changed because of an election anywhere at any time. The, the government that God is zealous about is the government of his son, Jesus Christ. It's through that power and through that authority that the governments of the world are impacted. And the governments of the world are simply comprised of people. And groups and people of different thoughts and persuasions flow in and out of these systems. And when they do, whatever is on the mind or the heart of the people that have their hand on the throttle becomes what people get throttled with. So at any rate, no earthly government's changed. Our answer begins from the kingdom, begins from above. That's where our answer comes from. But I'll tell you what, you start praying the kingdom of God over people's hearts and get ready to see God get zealous. The Bible says he will zealously begin to work when it's his government, his kingdom in the hearts of men that we are praying for, that we are praying from. And, you know, kingdom praying begins with realizing that the kingdom of God is the answer for every human situation. There's so many things we could say about connecting the kingdom of God and prayer, but I'll leave you with this last thought, and this is number 11. Prayer is the heart of kingdom life. If you really want to know what's the beating heart, what causes the circulation of the life flow, the circulation of the blood of Jesus through our lives, the circulation of the Holy Spirit, prayer is the heart that causes the kingdom of God to circulate. Do you want life? Pray. Because there's too many people living without life. Life drains your will and your courage, doesn't it? With the best of intentions, you launch out into a project, into a relationship, into a vision, into a ministry, something. We launch out there. What does life do? Eventually, life, life wears down your will, and life breaks and wears down your courage. Where do you go to be replenished, to be rebuilt? You can't go... And throw yourself into the world. Throw yourself into work. Throw yourself into your goals, even if they came from God. You can't throw yourself. A lot of pastors are going up in smoke. 
because they, they quit going to the Holy Spirit and they throw themselves harder and more furiously into the ministry. They think if I, if I just work harder doing the ministry, God will see that I'm, and, and prayer. What is church to be? A house of prayer, house of communion. And so if you're living life, if you're living without life, living will drain your courage. But you know, through a prayer life, through communion with God, the Holy Spirit reorients you into the kingdom because you've sold the world, you've bought the kingdom, and the Holy Spirit reorients you in the authority of the kingdom of God, and he'll re he then refreshes you with God's vision for life. And that vision brings bravery. That's, you know, we want to be bold and we want to be brave, but that kind of bravery that we see in, in the Christians we read about in the book of Acts, those acts of bravery came because they were charged with the purpose and the plan of Jesus Christ. That's where the courage, that's where the boldness comes from. If, uh, if we get broken and worn down, it's always an indication we need to run back to God and be replenished with, um, with His. So look, the last verse I'll share with you is out of Luke 18 and 1. And Jesus told them they should always pray at all times and not lose heart, not faint, not give up. And so in the world, our courage, our vision is worn down, even if it's a good vision. But in prayer is where we connect and access the kingdom of God and his strength and his power. And he begins to operate through us. And I want you to turn your Bibles off or your devices, whatever, and uh, close your analog Bible, whatever you've got with you this morning. And let's stand together. Because we want to pray together at this moment. All of us here this morning have our own life and we're in different places. There are different things going on. Um, if we were to draw a circle and you can't quantify it, but if we were to say this is the kingdom of God and then out beyond it are these concentric circles with varying degrees of depth into the world. And the farther away from the kingdom, the more cold, the more dark it all becomes. And we all know because we've lived here and we've lived here, right? So everybody's here this morning. And in one area of your life, you may be here, but another area of your life might be hanging out here. And so right now, let's think about just our soul, who we are, think of yourself, just you. Where are you? And you need to be in the kingdom of God. You need to sell that devotion to the world and, and buy devotion to Jesus. You buy it by prayer. And we're going to pray right now. And this is an opportunity. And God takes very seriously what we take serious. It's not magic words. It's the heart. So if, if you're praying from the heart right now and you're sincere, those words move heaven. They get God's ear. And he is zealous to bring his kingdom to bear in your life. And so as you've listened to this message, you may have thought about different areas of yourself, your life. And you can hear the Holy Spirit knocking on the door and just drawing you. So if you close your eyes, just bow your heads for a moment. Or you don't have to bow your head, just close your eyes. And just simply because I 
it's, we don't want to take this time just to look around and see what other people are doing. Right now, what's important is what you're going to do. Heavenly Father, I come with this beautiful group of people this morning who have gathered here. Lord, not to, not to sing songs, not to uh, um, so much see their friends or, or hear somebody speak, but to, to engage, to be with you, to have their lives, Lord, brought before you and placed in your hands. And now, Father, we want to take this time, this moment, to do exactly that. Lord, we need you. We need your life. We need the kingdom that emanates from your life, the authority, the, the government, the impact of your government upon our hearts. And Father, that's where true change takes place. And so I pray for each and every one this morning, as you are just quietly, just laying out your case before the Father, just simply say, Jesus, come into my heart. I open up my life. You see my situation. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Wherever you may be at, those simple words, those simple expressions, Lord, I've been running from you. Father, I believe in you, but you're not first in my life. Be honest. There's nothing more wonderful than being honest with God. Father, you know that that Jesus is everything to me, but I've gotten sidetracked. Or Lord, I, I, it's been a, a while since I've really had a prayer life. Other things keep jumping in front of that. I come now and I ask you to help me. All of us in one way or another are asking the Father for help. Lord, we want to buy the field. We can all make that our prayer. I want to buy the field and I'm doing it right now. Purchase that field. Purchase that field with a heart of prayer, a prayer of faith from your heart. Father God, I turn my life in your hands. You know my tendency. I wander. Get a hold of me and help me. But Lord, right now, I mean it. I put my life in your hands. Save me. Fill me. Give me the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Work in my life. Father, that is our prayer today. Our Father, who is in heaven, sacred is the name of Jesus. Your kingdom come right now and your will be done in this place and in our hearts. And your will be done through us. Thank you today for giving us our daily bread. Thank you for blessing us with the clothes on our back, the provisions in our hands. We are merely stewards of these things. We ask you to forgive us, oh God. If we have ought against anyone, we give it up right now. We will not be offended by anybody. If they offend us, we decide we are not going to take offense. We will not fall into that trap. We release anyone Father, who has offended or hurt us now or in the past in our life. Forgive us of our sins. And Lord, lead us away from temptation. We're weak. Lead us away from it. Guide us. We want to shine for you. We want to live for you because, Lord, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. And everyone said amen. amen. Praise